You're listening to the Type 1 Run Podcast. Leave no ones behind. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 19 of the show. I'm your host as always, John Fody. Today I have Kenny Campbell on the show. And honestly, we talk about all things Type 1 and running. But my favorite part is that we got to talk a lot about and nerd about a little bit trail running. Kenny is an awesome trail runner and lives close to some of America's most famous trails. He's also an active member of the Type 1 Run LA chapter. So without further ado, here's my interview with Kenny Campbell. I appreciate also you getting on the show after uh, two months of back and forth, you know? Oh, no problem. Yeah. I, uh, I already, I'm pretty much done with anything I was doing today. I already went from my run, so... Some jealous that you can run. I I fell off my foam roller like a month ago, and I still can't run. You fell off of it? Yeah, I was standing on it and like dancing on it, you know, like on my feet <laughs> only, like rolling around like a lumberjack. And yeah, I was drinking a beer at the same time, and I fell off of it. And I haven't like I haven't run since. And I'm starting to. I keep thinking like it's bruised, and I need to heal. But the more I rest, like it just keeps not getting better. And so I'm starting to get kind of worried, but we'll see. Mm, yeah. What sucks is that it heals to an extent where I think it's fine. And then I go for a run and then a half mile in, it locks up and I can't move. Yeah. And, and that keeps when happening. I was... So I do that like every four or five days. I th- Maybe if I had just given it two weeks, I'd be healed by now. But I keep trying to run on it and it just keeps flaring up. And I get a half mile in and I can't even walk bad yeah injuries injuries are that enigma where that you can never really figure them out yeah i'm actually i'm going to i'm gonna see i'm actually going to see like a joint and spine surgeon tomorrow about it to see if like he has any recommendations yeah they'll, they'll have more insight as far as what actually happened to it yeah my, than just kind of feeling yeah my goal is to see like if it is just bruised and i need to actually rest on it or if i'm supposed to like cast it i really don't know but it's super frustrating because i like I'm, I'm supposed to be running a marathon at the end of the month and i had to pull out from it because i haven't been able to run at all and i still don't know if i'll even be able to run so yeah it's smart because with me and my history I, I would just still run through it <laughs> though i that's good i think i would too i honestly couldn't though like the pain would be so bad that i couldn't that's what's weird like i normally yeah, would through. just like push through it but um it was actually like uh, when it when it got really bad. It was like two or three days after I did it. It felt fine, and I was like, "Okay, you know, not a big deal." And I went for a ten mile run, and halfway through, at five miles, it started to get so bad that I couldn't walk. Oh. And since the actually now that I think about it, since that run, it's gotten worse and worse. So like it used <laughs> to be three miles in, and then it was half mile in, and now sometimes it's like. Half, like less than half a mile in it'll start locking up on me and i think it's because i keep pushing it yeah sometimes it's just the body's telling you and you gotta listen to that stupid body <laughs> it sucks is it i'm only the only like i don't even care about the marathon anymore i just care about like we're moving to boulder next month and my only like dream about moving to boulder was to be able to run in the mountains like every day whenever i wanted to yeah, so, so definitely like, I would. Yeah, as long as this isn't compromise, you know that dream. So uh, I don't think it will, especially once you find like get like a professional like to look at it. Like you should. I feel like going to who you're going to see might just like 
tell you what it is and then you might go end up seeing like a pt and then getting some like workouts and stuff like that to recover it i want a steroid injection is what i want i want i want like a (laughs) a cure you know i've heard that like diabetics have to worry about taking steroids though because like it spikes blood sugars apparently have you ever heard that certain ones um i know like a cortisone shot won't do much um as far as but when you get into like the serious stuff, it could mess with it. As far as just like the, just the reaction your body will have to it. So, without getting into too much science, it's just more or less the the reaction that your body has. I love getting more into the science part. I, I think it's more or less like when the effects that it has on your kidneys and stuff like that, and filtering through that, that might prompt that to dump more sugar whatever into your system yeah so it could be just that it's just like how like tylenol messes with dexcom readings yeah where it it just kind of blurs that line so i remember right after i got diagnosed someone once told me they were like uh it was actually a nurse and she was like you know you're so you know she's like you're so old you know but it does happen have you taken like any uh steroids or anything lately no it's funny that that was her first question after I got diagnosed, because she said every yeah. now and then people will come into the hospital and get diagnosed with type one that had recently been on a steroid. Yeah, and I didn't know, like, yeah, since then I haven't like looked into it. Actually, I haven't even thought about that since that day. It's crazy because I, with my new training block that I'm going into, which we'll probably dive more into with the podcast, um, I started going to like my best friend's powerlifting gym and all kinds of talks about people that use like insulin to gain muscle yeah which is crazy crazy to me i didn't know that people did that until dr sherry kohlberg i interviewed her a few months ago and she had said that like that even sprinters will ask to go on not ask they'll like get somebody to give them lantus and then they'll take it yeah the human growth factor or something which Makes me think every time I inject Lantus, I'm like, man, do I, should I really be? Do I exactly. really need this? I'm, you know what I mean? I've always, I've always been on Humlog since uh, maybe two years after I got diagnosed. And I'm like, maybe if I switched over, I could gain some muscle. You're on a pump. But that's, I am on a pump. Um, I've been on a pump since I was 18. Damn. What pump so are you with, on? Um, so. 10 years of that, I was with Medtronic, and then just recently I switched over to Omnipod. Craig and loves. It's been, Everyone I talk to loves the Omnipod. It is night and day of a comparison to, I think, any pump. If, like, T-Slim, anything with the tube, like, yeah, that whole, like, structure, it's completely different in a good way. So yeah. what's your, I don't know why I love this discussion so much, but I have it with everybody. <laughs> I'm always curious as to people's reasonings for pump or pens. You know what I mean? And yeah. And like, I don't know if you saw or heard James's episode, but we like committed, we like committed hour, like me and him talked yeah. for probably six <laughs> or seven hours about the differences. You know what I mean? And I had to like cut it down to like an hour and a half, but um, yeah. What do you, me- what do you think your reasonings are? So my reasonings, and if this is like my theory, just with the collective of just talking to a, a bunch of diabetics that are on both sides of it, it seems to me that people that are diagnosed at a childhood age or like a younger age re- are returned back to 
MDIs later in life and vice versa. So I was diagnosed at 16 and it felt more like a punishment doing shots. And then because where I went through, they're on like three shots a day for your meal times. And then once you got that down and your numbers were good, they upgraded you to a pen and then they let you kind of mess around with that a little bit. And then once they see your numbers are controlled, then, then you graduate to the pump. So it was kind of like a progress. So for me, I would never want to go back to shops. It's just, it's just that, that stigma to it. That in part of my life, that was just a hard battle to get through. Wait, wait, wait. They made um, you start on injections? Like you had to actually draw insulin every time? Yes. What? Um, so before I can get released from the ho- before I got released from the hospital, they you had to do them in front of the doctors so they can see that you knew what to do before you went home. <laughs> there was a girl that was two rooms down from me that was diagnosed that was crying like all day, all day because she was due to be released but she wasn't doing like she couldn't do her shots like she was excuse me she was so like terrified of needles that she wouldn't do them so they held her they couldn't release her because say a doctor so say anything bad happens to her they might have a lawsuit on their hands for me when i got diagnosed i was i live in i my hometown is orange county in orange or orange in orange county um so i got admitted down the street at st joseph hospital and from there, it's maybe a 10-minute like drive to Chalk Hospital. So they immediately sent me straight to Chalk Hospital. And then that's where it was like a two-week stint of just like cramming of information, seeing like six doctors and just kind of going through all that, dietitians, nutritionists. And then Wait, you stayed there Foundation for two weeks? In. About, yeah. How old were you? So, I was 16. How old are you now? Junior in high school. 20. Oh. Okay, so it's 12 years ago. That's yeah, crazy. So, I didn't yeah. even I didn't uh, even spend I didn't even go to Oswald. I just went to my local doctor and they were like, Yeah, you're type one diabetic. Here's some Lantis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like at Shock, they they have you go every three months for your A1C and your all that, like your appointments. Yeah. And then when I was getting close to 18 to 19, they're like, hey, once you get released from the, the children's hospital to go see like an adult endo, you definitely want to get on the pump now versus being an adult because it's a lot harder for your insurances to cover you. With us, we can get it to you right now, like no problem, like no questions asked. So that's when I really had to think about it. And What'd you do in the hospital for two weeks? I, just well okay so when i got it when i found out i was up in the 800 range so for the first three days it was just getting me back to like ground level and like my body was going through so much changes like yeah anyone that gets diagnosed so also i got strep throat and that's what got me into the doctor to find out about being diabetic do you know what your a1c was on like your day one or anything like that no, I just know that my blood sugar has been was up in the like seven hundreds for a quite a while just because with any like diagnosed story, like either like you're extremely thirsty and you're just drinking a bunch, 
yeah. instead of me drinking water because water had that a weird taste to it. Yeah. My, my mom was giving me the country like country time lemonade mix. Yes. And just glass after glass after glass, I was just pumping myself with like of sugar over and over again, just raising that number. Yeah, and it, and, felt, it tasted so good until you finish yeah. drinking it, and then you immediately want more. <laughs> I, that's what yeah. I, I remember right before and I got I, diagnosed. Got, I had so much lemonade; it was insane. Yeah, it got to the point where I could literally stand like over the toilet and drink a bottle of water, and then like a few seconds later, and just pee it out. <laughs> and then like back then, like I I was still like in like outside like activities with like friends running and stuff like that so i was like cool i'm just thirsty like it didn't phase me like i had no idea i only had one encounter back in um middle school with a diabetic that was pretty much it it's crazy so when did you start running with type one with type one maybe so i well, I started, I started running in eighth grade and then off and on throughout high school with cross country, just that's kind of what I did. And then junior year, when I got diagnosed, that took me out of high school because I missed about 53 classes or 53 school days. Um, just coming out of honeymoon, like third, third period time around 10 o'clock was the worst for me. I was always in the nurse's office. Um, so I took a huge break after that. Wait, so signed up after the two weeks, she went back to school, but then kept getting sick at school. So you missed too many classes. Yeah. So I was so far behind in my classes that I had to go to a quote unquote continuation school, which is pretty much just to make up the credits that you missed. And then you can go back to your normal school. Um, And you had to miss class because you were getting low. Um, it was both, it was either or, but I had all my supplies and like my, my syringes and all that stuff were in the nurse's office. So I got to know the nurse very well that year, <laughs> and but so you weren't allowed to like, you didn't have like free reign to like take that in class with you and just like deal with it as you needed to. Um, shortly after that I did, uh, cause I, after that I got on the pens and then I was able to do that at nutrition and like um, lunch and stuff like that, but it was more or less just like a, the growing pains of it and not knowing yeah. exactly the, what to do. So the nurse had more acknowledgement to it than I did, but I also had some really good teachers that would come in on, on like their breaks and stuff like that and help me finish as much schoolwork as I could, but it was just, wasn't, still wasn't enough. Wow. Um, but then after pretty much graduation of, of high school. Um, first year of college, I signed up back to cost country and then ran for two years then, and then got in a car accident, which took me out of college completely. Um, it was more on the financial side than like physical or any like damage to my body. Um, and then that's when I discovered road running and went from running cross country to half marathons and marathons on the road that burned out pretty quick. And then that sparked my love for trail running. And that's where I'm at now. So you've been trail running for how many years? Um, not that long, actually. Um, maybe I, I break it down into seasons, maybe two seasons. So maybe a little over a year or so. 
Nice. Running, yeah, road running was definitely like the bulk of my running. Yeah. That started to become more of a job with just micromanaging like splits, times, stuff like that. And then that really took the fun out of it. Yeah. So I, I would really have to battle myself to go out and actually run. And then I wasn't, that's when. Yeah. Training, training wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. And then just looking on YouTube at running stuff, seeing some trail runs and ultra marathons. And I'm like, that looks it's beautiful. Completely yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't so, remember where I heard it, but it's a good testament because what you're talking about, you should enjoy your training as opposed to just enjoying racing because training is 90% of the running that you'll do. Maybe 95% of the running that you'll do. You know, exactly. And so it's like, you got to enjoy training because if you don't, then you've wait. Yeah. Like for you, like you said, it's going to become work. Yeah. And then you're just going to, you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. If I could back you up, talk about, what running was like in college with type one. Cause you hadn't been type one running that long. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's, I'm turning, yeah, I'm so turning our organization into a verb type one running, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. At what point uh, did like, did that become easy? Like how long after you got diagnosed was running di- like so as a diabetic easy? It, I want to say it was easy. It was more or less like being naive with it as not knowing like the information that like the tools I have now as far as Dexcom, my pump and like stuff like that. And then going back to myself, then I would call myself crazy. Cause I wasn't like, I didn't take my meter with me. Like it was just like going nice. off of feeling. Yeah. And like, I mean, like I would have like two or three like gulps of Gatorade before going and then running our six miles, coming back two more gulps, going to class, checking in everything fine. So it wasn't like, what was your, like, what was your average A1C back then? Like, was it still pretty good? Cause I mean, if it um, was, you're probably doing all right. Yeah, it was, I mean, I had some bad ones just more or less like with the grasping of like diabetes and stuff like that and having yeah. some low moments, but that's like just in life. So my A1Cs didn't exactly reflect my, my sports. Yeah. Um, but they never really went above like, 10 10 11 was probably the worst but yeah. that was like was this like in college or what in high school no this this was probably like the transformation or transfer from high school to college yeah so by the time i was starting to run it was definitely getting a better grasp on it so um probably around eight i think around once i was more in tune and more thinking about it more it was it never got too crazy yeah um she didn't really worry but you didn't really have to worry back then about severe lows because you probably were averaging you know it sounds like you were averaging in the high hundreds low 200s maybe yeah all the time anyway yeah the fear was more of the fear of low was greater than the fear of highs so yeah wait would you say that's would you say that's opposite now Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, definitely. <laughs> That's where I'm at. I have. I my, like. I'm uh, not gonna my, say I like going low, but I wait. I mean, a hundred times would rather be low than high because low is like fixed like that. You know, one spoonful of Nutella, and I'm back in business. Exactly. Um, but yeah, high yeah, that'll ruin just at least half your day. Yeah, it can definitely take you take you out of whatever you're doing pretty quick. Um, 
but, but especially again, with the tools I don't now have, that we have. Yeah, and then again, I don't have a history of severe lows, and it doesn't it doesn't sound like you do either. Some people, you know, they just have this history of just lows, like really severe and dangerous lows, and maybe if I got to that point, maybe or maybe if I ever get to that point, I'll be way more scared of lows, but. I haven't been scared straight yet. Maybe, <laughs> uh, like the lowest I've been was twenty six. Damn. And then so. <laughs> uh, that was that was back in high school. That's when I was diagnosed, and I, I fell down my best friend's stairs. But I mean, I was fortunate. You fell down, down the my... stairs because you were low, or you fell down the stairs and then you got low. No, I fell down. Like I slipped down the stairs because I was low. And oh, was motor like skills weren't there. Um, That's terrifying. But he met me at the end of the stairs with a. A can of high or a can of Hawaiian punch. So he kind of was my Dexcom back then. Nice. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate to have all my close friends. Really, like they they went through the ride with me and really learned everything. So when did it transition yeah. from you? Like, at what point do you think you went from like you know A one C of eight or nine Kenny to a1c you know whatever you're at now like to a point where you feel like you had more control um after <laughs> after i dka'd the second time oh no okay so i yeah so just going through back then and how like look like just the growing pains of going through the your teen years and then now adding a whole new other element to it um i just got to that point of the, the biggest burnout that I've had was just, I stopped doing my Lantis and just was doing Humalog and then definitely catches up to you. Wait, wait, but <laughs> you gotta, I'm going to have to back <laughs> you up there. Yeah. You, you, you like transitioned <laughs> off of Lantis and just a Humalog or you just were like, no, forget Lantis. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to bolus. Yep. Second one. Interesting. I, yeah, it was it was when I was on pens, and that was the first like real like real moment that it hit me that this is for life and this is a serious matter. Um, it was no talk with a doctor or parents that brought me yeah. to that. It was just Wait, so it was like up until that point, it hadn't like settled in. Like years later, it starts to no. settle in. Yeah, definitely a couple years after that. Um, do you, think it's like a, more or less just, do you think it's like a maturity thing or do you think it's like, you know, like an emotional coming to kind of thing? Um, a little bit of both. Like you got like think back to when like you're going through your high school and you're kind of finding your identity. Yeah, I don't and even know. You, I don't know how I got dressed every morning. I was so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then <laughs> so like when you're going through your teenage years, like maturing, like all that stuff. And then you're throwing a, like a curveball with an illness. Yeah. Like it's just one thing that like you get to your point where you're like, all right, I don't want to deal with this. I'm not going to can't talk me out of it type mood. So, so you just, you kind of felt, that just landed in me you and, felt invincible in a way. So like you felt like honestly you didn't need Atlantis and you were just like, I don't need yeah, it. Pretty much. And yeah. then that slowly crept on, like creeps up on you and then and end up on a pretty bad DKA. And Was then, it? Because I, I mean, theoretically, if you, had kept getting Humalog right, you would have been fine because now you're probably on just Humalog with a pump, but it's giving you something throughout the day. So, at, like, how long did you survive on just Humalog without Lantis? I think three weeks. 
that's actually that's longer that's longer than i thought you were gonna say yeah it feels like three weeks but back then i was like even now like i've always been like a big eater so anytime anytime i'm eating it was a pretty big humlog bolus so yeah and so i think that kind of but you so you'd bolus and then come breakfast next meal you just bolus again are you checking a lot like do you know what you're at or just blind bolus for the most um for the most part i would check like i understood that checking and doing like the shots for your meals was important i didn't understand that the shot once a day was as important so huh i just so, like took the the more important ones and like okay these i have to do yeah maybe i can get away with not doing this one and so what was it like going into to DKA? Ooh, that is a rough one. <laughs> um, it definitely is a lasting memory. It, it's kind of weird because I would, it same, went back to the same hospital and I kind of had to like be like lifted in by my dad, like had one arm around his shoulder and kind of dragged in. And as soon as the doctor saw how I looked, he's like, nope across the street to the hospital and then like Wait, what did care. you look like, like? Was, like what was like a ghost just like a zombie like i wasn't wasn't there like just kind of like a shell of a person um like worse than I when mean, you got diagnosed definitely way worse i don't see how that's possible because you probably had insulin in your system i to be honest i've never actually gotten like a full dka story so i'm really curious as to like what it feels like you know like I've never yeah, heard, so, I've never heard a full story in terms of like how it's different than right when you right before you get diagnosed because it seems like right before diagnosis would be worse because you know like maybe you're creating a little bit of insulin that you've just it's been so long right before diagnosis. You're well going coming into diagnosis, you're still like producing some insulin, so yeah. it's more of like your body's natural, like it's trying to do it. But when you're completely like done making it and then now you're depriving yourself of it, your vital organs can't function. So with that, that's where I was. Like my vital organs were starting to just be like shut start shutting down. And yeah. I was the the night the day tonight before going into the doctors and finding out where I was at, I was dry heaving nonstop. Just anything that was in my stomach was out. And I was just hallucinating, just mumbling weird stuff. Um, kept calling for my mom. I was having very, very weird dreams. And then that's when my mom was like, okay, like we went to the doctor at five o'clock in the morning when they opened. And then that's when the doctor saw me, pointed across the street to the emergency room, got hooked up to 14 IVs. And got transferred over to Chalk Hospital again. And so, were you like your mom knew you were in bad shape? Did y'all check like what your blood sugar was or no? No, because they were still very new to it too. And I mean, I love like my parents were completely supportive. It's just they weren't grasping. Like they were in the same shoes as I was. As you learning so much things. So how old were? Oh, so this wasn't long after you got diagnosed. This was maybe a year. This is maybe for leaving high school to college. 
And so that whole time you weren't like throughout that day that you were dry heating, you weren't checking or bolusing either. No, because that day I didn't eat anything. So it was more or less just, we didn't really know what was wrong as far as I could have just had like the stomach flu. It was similar symptoms, like just stomach wasn't feeling good, just super weak. So it was kind of like blind symptoms. Um, but any other like diabetic could see me and be like, Hey, there's something definitely wrong with you. But it, like, yeah, my just, first instinct would have been to check your t- blood sugar. Like <laughs> sit down. Yeah. Shut so, up. I'm checking your blood uh, sugar. It was, yeah, it was back in the times where you're a little bit more reckless with it. Not saying the thing. It was just when you're a teenager, you're, you're acting on impulse, just running around doing what you want. So that rebellious stage. Yeah. And then, then that's when got, once I got hooked up to the, the bunch of IVs and then spent the next night or two in the hospital, then I had a very firm talking to by the doctor, which pretty much just came down to him saying like, if you didn't come in when he did, you would not be here anymore. So that was the realization as that this is my life. I have to control and do my best with it. Yeah. So did they really say like did they say one. like what your blood sugar was when you came in? No, they never they never really mentioned as far as like the immediate blood sugars or any like test results. They just kind of laid down the law with what was going on with why what was happening and why and like how to not get there again. So But you kind of already knew. Kinda, you like you it's like a Yeah. It was more or less like, okay, now I'm listening. Like, I'll do this. Like, it's it definitely takes. It's everyone's different and like how they take it, and it it does take some time some for some people, but definitely everyone has their own course. And then, luckily, I was able to find mine and get back on track. Yeah, well, that's incredible. I think it. And then, you know, it's a testament to how hard it can be to be diagnosed at different times in your life. Cause that, that wasn't my experience at all. But then I also didn't have to balance that with growing up, you know, and like being a teenager and, you know, yeah. like the late stages of puberty or like in the middle of puberty still, you know what I mean? It, it just seems like, exactly. yeah, I, I can imagine balancing that would be so difficult. And same thing for like parents who are balancing it with like a two year old, you know what I mean? Like their hormones have got to be crazy. Yeah, balance that like, for another person. That seems that's crazy. That's crazy. So yeah, it's that's where like when I see people like favor like MDI or injections versus pumps, like it definitely falls along when they the they got diagnosed. Sorry, when they get diagnosed on their like, their timeline as far as when like what age they're at. Yeah. So, um, that's where like it's whatever like what if it works for you that's the best thing to do yeah no absolutely yeah that that was we talked for hours but that was the consensus of james and i's conversation was like you know if it's working for you then it's going to be the best option if it's not working for you and you hate it well then switch Switch. you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's super simple both are both are insulin and both are going to keep you alive you just have to figure out what you like more yeah, for me, good. it's like the freedom, you know what I mean? Not having a pump site at all. I think even me, for me, an Omnipod would bother me just because it's one more thing on my body. You know what I mean? So it's like. See, I didn't even notice it though. Like, 
Where do you where keep it on I your have, arm? Yeah, right now it's in the back of my arm, which I I haven't had insulin been put into me in my arm since being diagnosed. So putting it there, it's just I don't feel it. Like it's just I don't like I'll I'll it gets to the point like take it off my shirt. I feel like a tug and like oh I forgot that that there. Does it? What hurts more and putting in a Dexcom or putting on an Omnipod? Um, Dexcom. Really? <laughs> the Omnipod is just because it's it you it. I feel like you you feel you hear the click more than you feel it go in. Yeah, it's more it's louder than yeah, yeah what yeah. it seems like. I think that's that's probably true. Like when I had my pump, I think that's how it was too. Like the pop of it was like I think I felt the pressure of the pop more than like the actual pin, the needle itself. Yeah, so. and it's the same like but application Dexcom. like oh. like oh de- I I, <laughs> I that's a whole nother story. I put mine on my as... stomach and every like third or fourth time i just find a spot that's excruciatingly painful and i'm so angry for like the next hour (laughs) but then i'm fine but and then i I, dread it i dread putting in the next one because i'm like man am i gonna find that magical painful spot again i just don't like how to put it on like oh you you like slowly inject it yourself it's like slow yeah painful it's like self-torture you know what i mean because when i first got the first cgm i got was the first metronic one and yeah. then that needle was so long. And it was the same. It was the same kind of way the Dexcom goes in. Yeah. So I attached them to as far as like the pain scale. Yeah. I'm like, I feel, I know it's not gonna hurt as bad as that one, but I don't know. Dexcom hurts enough to where the only reason I don't change it out every week is because of that. Like, it's, yeah, I have a prescription for every week you know what i mean i could easily change it out every week if i wanted to oh yeah but i, have, I don't because so, i'm like i don't want to put another one in i think i've had this one on i i roughly do it every three weeks i write it till i get the three question marks and then i'll pull it off okay so i do every two weeks because i've noticed at the end of two weeks you start getting like not a solid line you know what i mean it starts to jump around more yeah, it's so all like, look, like the skips. moment. Yeah, at any point in that second week, if I start seeing it skip up and down at all, I swap it out because it's like it's not worth it for me to have like no confidence left in it. Yeah, and I've I've seen after like I'll you know you do the two hour warm up after the second week going into the third week, that week is really inconsistent for me. Yeah, so that, I swap. Yeah, I just I end I, it there. I'm like, okay, I got two weeks out of it. I'm good. Yeah, I'll pull it off around that time and then. I, I, I'm trying to get out of my bubble and go to places I haven't put it. Ooh, so I I'm really want to. I'm not that at that point yet. You're like a little ahead of me on the, on the comfort scale of moving it. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to put in the back of my arm and see how having both of them on my arms are, and then just being like free on the body. Yeah, you gotta, um, you gotta tell me how that goes because I haven't tried anywhere but my stomach. Yeah, like I, people getting with, creative. People get creative with these Dexcom oh, spots. Oh, I've been seeing people put them on their calves and like, yeah, uh, that I will. I will. I think I can't I can do that. Do. I, I would hit no. it. I would definitely hit that on something. Oh yeah, but it's just I just see like where do you put it? Like I look at my body and I'm like, I I know it's not supposed to go into muscle or anything like that, but yeah, like yeah, it, I don't have any people, fat on my calves or really. yeah, no, me neither. And that's where it's like. I don't know. People, it works for them. So. I put 
on my Instagram story, like a few months ago, I jokingly put an old one on my neck, like just like I just put the I just put the sticky on there. People freaked out. Yeah, <laughs> like twelve messages. People were like, "You should put it there. You can't put it there." I'm like, "I'm kidding. I don't put it on my neck." Yeah, that'd be so freaking painful. But yeah, man. So I it's we this has been a huge tangent. This has been a thirty eight minute tangent, but um. <laughs> One of the reasons I, I really wanted to pull you on is because, you know, you are a trail runner and you finished a 50K like eight weeks ago. <laughs> and I've been wanting to bring you on. I think it was a 50K or a 50 miler. Might have been eight weeks. It was, uh, a, I think it was like eight weeks ago, eight or nine weeks ago. That was uh, the trail that finished. I, DK, or I DNF'd my last marathon, trail marathon. And that was the last longest race. Yeah. Um, so the one I just ran was a 10 mile race in preparation for my 50 K coming up. What, what 50 K do you have coming up? The black mountain, uh, 50 K. I think 50 K is the largest or the longest distance. It goes 50 K 30, 25 K. And where is, um, where's it at? That's in San Diego. So I've always trail ran and my, I haven't really had any big goals as far as my running, but this DNF I just had in January, which had no, like no diabetic reasons. My numbers were perfectly fine up until mile 20. It was more or less my, like my stomach wasn't having it. And coming off of that race, I got a lot of negative feedback from people that I know that know my condition and how I feel about running. Yeah. And it, what do you mean? Really, what do you mean negative feedback? Cause they, like, I obviously I, I put it out there as far as like what happened in the race and everything like that. So people viewed it and read it and then like family members, just certain people that I didn't think I wasn't expecting that reaction out of were like, Oh, like you shouldn't be going that like doing that in your, like with like being diabetic, you should just, play it safe, like that kind of vibe. Yeah. And that really irritated me. Like got under my skin where it was like all my doctors growing, like being diagnosed, going, growing up all tell me to go do what you want to do. Go snowboard, go do stuff. So to have people that have seen my progression, then tell me like, Oh, that's dumb. Don't do that. Like really put a flame underneath me to go do more yeah and so, so yeah so how are you gonna give it to him how are you gonna stick it to the man here october 2019 running my first hundred Tuber 2019 okay so what's the build up like what's so the progression the to that okay so i have a little list here so what a race i forgot about that's coming up june 3rd me and the type 1 diabetic or the type 1 run sorry Type of run guys are going to go do the tra- a trail marathon in Griffith Park, I think it is. Yeah. Um, it's a relay race. So it's me, James, Jerry, and a Craig, and a couple other people. Uh-huh. And that's June um, 3rd? Yeah, that's June 3rd. June 30th is my 50K, and that's in San Diego. December 2nd, I'm going to fill a race in between that gap. Um, probably uh, like a 
another probably another 50k or marathon in between if i can find one december 2nd death valley trail marathon with james and jerry i think craig might be doing that one too yes um then directly after that january 13th is that san diego marathon i dnf'd but i'm stepping up to the 50 mile limit and running that then gives me two more races between january and october to fill in for preparation for the hundred so i want to do at least another i want to do another 50 mile race and if i can find a 100k that's ideal so where would you shop for 100k is that um i would like the last two races to be somewhere around where the 100 mile is going to be just just not to run the same trails but the yeah. temperature hey, wait, and where's the uh where's the 100 mile again arizona okay so, so, so you've got a lot in arizona like arabipa does races 100k all the time yep, that's that's the race it's uh heavily in 100 oh yeah, yeah 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 okay they do so, yeah, they do a lot of. I don't know about the buildup because I already you know I don't have their calendar ahead of me, but I know they do tons of hundred Ks throughout the summer and fall. Yeah, they have you know, a, a tons, but there's several. Yeah, they their their races. I like I like the variety that they have, and a lot of the trails kind of are around each other. So yeah, I'm guessing you're a big fan of Run Steep Get High. Yep, James James yeah. Curry. Yeah, yeah. Or Jamil, awesome. sorry. Jamil Curry. Yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't listen to this he, podcast, I'm sure, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> He's not going to um, But him, like, I watch a lot of his 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 channel, and, like, yeah. it's a big inspiration to kind of go out there and get after it. Oh, man. I watch, I don't know if you've ever seen the Hayden vs. Hawks video. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's dude. intense. I used to turn that on before every single one of my runs, like in the morning, you know, and I turn that on and be like, man, I'm running with Zach Miller. You know, I got this. Yeah. Um, I, I go back. Or it was Miller versus Hawks. Yeah. I said Hayden versus yeah. Hawks. That was me. You know what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim Walmsley has a, a video out uh, talking about the 100 mile distance. It's a little like three minute clip of him just running and talking about 100, the 100 mile distance. Yeah, and that's my go. That's my go-to. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait. I don't know if that. I've seen that one. Who who does that one? Um, Jim Jim Walmsley. No, no. Who who filmed it though? Like, what channel is it on? Uh, I'm not sure. I'll send you the link to it. Where's he running at? The uh, it's out in Arizona. It's just kind of like a little promotion. I don't know what he's promoting. I forget. But it's more just like the just talking about the description of the race a hundred yeah. mile race and everything about it. I got to see it. I, I kind of wanted to go. Um, actually I don't know what day in June it is, but, uh, I'd like to go, I'd like to go see Western States. I think it will be awesome just to go and like, just hang out for the day, you know, and just really day. Yeah. Probably 24 hours. Just hang out there and see everything. I think it'd be oh, cool. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, this year, a lot of like them are running it. Like he's, he's yeah. All the Coconino Cowboys got in. Exactly. Just, yeah. I think it was like, just this past weekend at Lake Sonoma, they all got in their gold medals. Yeah. So, was, uh, yeah, if you can't tell, passed. I'm a huge fanboy of the uh, the ultra <laughs> ultra marathon scene. In fact, last weekend I flew um, to Denver for a job interview, and I drove up to Boulder because Sage Kennedy was doing a event the, the, before the, his Boston yeah, Marathon yeah. thing. Yeah, so I got to go, and I got some like GoPro footage of running with him. 
And then my oh, knee started hurting and I got dropped a half mile in. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's so embarrassing. Like, I, like here I am, you know, here's Sage Candidate, like a guy that I think is awesome. You know, I was on his like, 5K, 10K training plan like a year ago. And I had the opportunity to run a 5K with him like days before he runs Boston. And here I am. I am a half mile in and I have to stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so embarrassing. It sucked. But but he would be one to know like injuries and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he would. And I, I don't think anyone judged me, but it's just, it's embarrassing. You know what I mean? Like we weren't even running fast. Yeah. We were like jogging and I can't, it sucks, but hopefully it gets better. I, my goal is, like I said, just my dream is just to run in the mountains and boulder. So, but yeah, what's funny is that last June I got diagnosed type one. So I was so sick all of June. I don't even remember like what day, cause I had planned on watching Western States and like tracking it and like, getting on Twitter and I run far and being able to like look at everything. I don't even remember. I remember being so sick in June that like I couldn't even think and focus on things very well. Oh. So I'm, yeah, pretty, I'm pretty sure it's this June. I might go. I don't know. We'll see if my wife will let me. If you're going to be out there, I would. If I can get the time off, I would. You should get the time off and go. I'll meet you. It's, I gotta, we'll, we'll talk about the dates and then kind of solidify it. But yeah, because then like they, we, we we could go there like a few days before or after and run some of the trails and that'd be cool. Yeah, but um, I distract. Okay, yeah. So June you have a race and then you'll find yeah, 100k so, before you're 100 miler. Sorry, I didn't get to the last part. We'll say so you're gonna you're so you're gonna find 100k before you're 100 miler. Ideally, what's the farthest ideally, up to this point you've run as a Type One? 30 miles and practice. It's like a 50. Oh, but you've run so a 50 K uh, training much. Yeah. Training. I haven't read like, like, uh, like officially like documented, like race 50. style, a 50 K. So that's interesting. Cause it seems like a 50 K race would be easier to complete than a 50 K training run. Right? Um, unless you're trying to yeah, race it, if you're trying to race it, would... it, then that's something different, but Oh, I'm not trying to, I mean, obviously I want to run it like how I would in the hundred. So, but obviously the time is going to be completely different. So I have like a nine hour cutoff, so it's going to be a little faster than a 30 hour cutoff. Yeah. Um, but like when I hit the 30 mile in training is more or less because I get lost very easily <laughs> and it was more or less like making a wrong turn on a trail and adding 10 miles versus ending at the right, <laughs> the right time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm very waxed when it goes to like finding distances and trails. I just kind of know the distance I'm hitting and I just kind of go. That's kind of awesome. It's, it kind of, it, that it, it gets me away from thinking it, how road running used to be for me. Yeah. I don't want to get too, too focused and too many numbers and stuff like that. So as long as I have the distance and kind of like my watch telling me like the little details that I need, then that's all I really look at. So talk to me about, I've never run before as a type one diabetic. Imagine, you know, so, or like imagine that. And so kind of, if you had to put it into a box, you know what I mean? You've got me on an elevator for 30 seconds how do you convince me to be a type one diabetic runner? You know what I mean? Like what, what easy things can you pull out of your experiences that would help me? Just the, 
all like the pros that comes out of the fitness aspect of it that correlates to your health and being diabetic it i just feel like exercising helps regulate and keep everything moving and like um I don't know, i'm trying to get the right word like just keeps you regulated <laughs> yeah as far as yeah like keeps you regular you're, you're, but not the bowel movement regular <laughs> yeah like for example like in my training week if i'm like if i'm hitting my numbers as far as my miles and like my workouts my range will pretty much be within the lines that i want it to be versus taking a week off my numbers are everywhere so, yeah like it's like it's more predictable like maybe some better insulin sensitivity and everything like for yeah, your high so run weeks and stuff like that yeah yeah your body definitely responds better when you're you're Training. flushing your blood yeah like your your circulation's pumping and getting everything flowing yeah. so just and that's kind of like what doctors promote anyways is just like exercise eating healthy just the like the staples of being healthy or like living healthy <clears throat> so just as far as that just being i would just tell you like you know, be patient, but this is definitely going to help you control everything. Absolutely. Better. What would be like, what is your routine for like eating and insulin? Like, do you ever run with insulin on board? Um, I think the most I have, and that was pretty of late. I rent, went out with three units on board. Um, but I just ended up, I just finished eating. So I wasn't too worried about it. And then I always, before I go, like five minutes before, like getting dressed and like a little warm up, I'll eat some kind of fresh fruit. So usually strawberries is my go-to. And then that usually levels me out pretty well. You wouldn't do that if you had ins- if you didn't have insulin on board though, right? No. If I don't have any insulin on board, then I won't eat. And then that's when I'll put my temp basil on and then kind of let that right out. How soon so before? How soon before did you do a temp basil? Uh, around a half an hour out. So, if it's like a evening run and I'm heading to the trail from work, I will turn it on from wherever I am, and then that's usually about twenty thirty minutes. Yeah, and do you and schedule it? I'll, do you schedule it to come back on before your run's going to end, or do you yes. end it? Uh, no, it definitely comes back on, maybe like a half mile out to mile out depending on the blood sugar like yeah. I'll, I'll carry my pdm with me um and then i can access it with turn it off if i need to yeah like so today you, when i went out how do you carry it with you do you have like a like um, a camelback most, or a, yes, a belt or something so i have a hydration vest that because i only take that out with me on my long runs on my weekend yeah um and that's just because more or less just the trails are in, like unpredictable like so you wanna I just have extra everything on me. So extra water, extra nutrition, and then my PDM and um I think that's yeah. really it. But for like regular training runs that aren't on the weekend, you don't take your your pack with you? PDM uh no. I have a handheld that has a little pocket on the side. It's like a soft flask. Yeah, yeah. Like a Nathan going, like yeah. a Nathan handheld. It's the ultimate direction. Yeah, yeah. It's kinda good. Um, but how do you control, so two, like, do you schedule your temp basil to end at a certain time on those days or do you have your PDM with you all the time? 
all the time. Just because, oh, it seems heavy. I look at it and it looks like a heavy thing. No, it's it's the same as like a phone. It's just bulkier. Okay. So it's just like a plastic, like kind of like a beeper. Okay, because it looks. Maybe I'm just thinking it looks dense, so it's not as dense as it looks. Maybe. No, it's just like the. I think just the design isn't too like yeah futuristic. Okay. Got it. So I've heard like it's impossible to see in the sun. You can change the brightness on it. There's settings to it. Why do people complain about the brightness all the time? Then people are always like, "You can't see it in the sun." <laughs> um, I don't know. I can see it through my sunglasses. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe I've never held one. <laughs> I just see people like on my Instagram complain about it. And I just assumed that that was like a valid claim. It, it it might as well it could be it's just i haven't run into that yeah next time i go out i'll like try it in the sun and see if i get a glare yeah like maybe like right in the sun yeah um yeah so, i just throw that in the back pocket of my running shorts what kind of blood sugar do you normally look for before you start running because you said you always like if you have insulin on board you'll eat strawberries regardless but what if you're at like 200 already are you still going to eat no, two hundred. Um, I'll just let that ride. What if, you're at, what if you're at one hundred? One hundred, I'll eat. How many carbs do you think, or do you not even care? Is it like a? No, it's just like a ballpark of like, like it could be like a goo, maybe I guess around like <clears throat> fifteen twenty. Depends on, and then also depends on like how long the workout's going to be. So, like if I have like an eight mile trail run definitely if i'm at like 100 120 i'm eating a gel and then putting my temp basil on because i know the intensity level is going to be higher yeah so but versus like my four mile run today i was at like 160 one like almost like going up to 200 like the higher levels i just went out didn't turn anything off just left it out it is yeah do you still take your pdm in that scenario yeah it's just because it's just it's not it's more or less like if anything random happens, like especially out on the streets, there's so many variables. I always yeah. take my like ID and my credit card with me just in case. Like <laughs> you're committed. So you're a way always, better you're a way better diabetic than I am because I'll just I'll go out with literally nothing. I'll go out without sugar, I'll go out without a insulin pen. <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't do anything. But it's normally for yeah, like short run, like a five K, I'll just go out for a five K because I know like Actually, I don't like your your argument is valid. Like, yeah, theoretically, I could get hit by a car, and then I'm on the side of the road without anything. You know what I mean? So, yeah, don't take my yeah. advice. You're everyone that's listening. Please do it like Kenny and take everything you need <laughs> because that is definitely the most yeah, responsible it's... decision. But I've lived, and a lot of people, I try to go maybe on... like me, they've lived their whole life a normal person. And they don't have to take all this stuff. And so sometimes when I get into a mode, like right before running, I don't want to take anything, and I just get into this mood where I'm like screw all this stuff you know what i mean i just leave it and i just run and i just yeah i do it safe like i make sure i, I eat a little bit before i go i make sure i don't have any insulin on board but i just go i'm like eh. sometimes i'll take like yeah, a goo gel with me but i think it might be just like with my history of not being like close closely tuned into everything now it's like the other side of the coin where i'm trying not to be at like too too like cautious, but at the same time, just enough. Yeah. So like, I don't take a meter with me. I just rely on my Dexcom. Yeah. And then I'll have 
I'll have my PDM, and that's pretty much where I bring. But then with the nutrition, like I would bring my nutrition with me if I was a non-diabetic, anyways, just because that's what you need to fuel. Yeah. Do we, do you take like specific diabetes fuel with you, like glucose no. tabs or gel or anything? Or you just take regular goose. Yeah, just regular goose, and then just whatever. I mean, when you get to trail running, and especially like the ultra scene, like food is just a source of energy. Like, there's no like real break into it. Yeah. Like, gummy bears are going to give you the same amount of energy as like the goo like shop block kind of like the gummies yeah so it's like at that point you're just breaking it down to what has the adequate sugar yeah or what sits in your stomach the best for some people yeah so i always what works best for me in both worlds is the closest to water the better where do you do where do you do most of your trail running at um pretty much my backyard trails really i live i live in like the san gabriel like little little east of the san gabriel valley so i have like i'm right between mount baldy and mount wilson i'm about like 45 minutes from either one i've Um, heard mount baldy is incredible um yeah there's there's an ultra runner i think her name is michelle barton and I don't know if you've heard of her, but she runs Mount Bali all the time. Um, she's like one of those trail runners that only runs in Luna sandals. <laughs> oh, yeah. That. Yeah. She's a, she was fam- She's won Havelina 100 before. Um, you should look her up. She's a very famous female ultra runner. Um, if I saw her up there. I want to say she lives at like at the base of Mount Baldy somewhere, so she couldn't be far from me. But Yeah. Um, but like where I'm at, there's like – I'm kind of in like the hilly area. So there's like an, a regional park right behind me. Like I could jog over to it. And that's where I do most of my, like up to like mile 13 runs. And they all, there's a bunch of trails that connect into it. That sounds incredible. See, I can't wait to be in a location that has that option. You know, you just go out and you just get like lost in the trail and kind of can zone out for a while. Yeah. And, and so the one like, thing I love about trail running the most is that like a five mile trail run to me goes by so much faster than a five mile road run. Even if it's 10 oh, minutes, yeah. even if it's 10, 20, 30 minutes longer, it just goes by faster. Like it feels faster. There's so much more to like keep your mind occupied versus yeah. the road. I think maybe it's just so all I've been doing lately. I just, I've gotten sick of it. <laughs> you know, I, I just look forward <laughs> to getting, because there's not a lot of trails in Southern Alabama. That's not a surprise to anybody. So getting on a trail yeah. right now then is pretty nice. Is that your PDM beeping at you? <laughs> yeah i just i'm running a little high so i just get some units to bring that down yeah see everyone on an omnipod around the country and world right now is listening <laughs> like know. oh man i see i don't even what's funny is i i've never even been around an omnipod before but i assumed that that was what that was uh, i haven't either um honestly up until november of the last year yeah. um I didn't know any of this stuff. I was on Medtronic and I thought that was the only thing that was like in the world of diabetes. Yeah. Then I met my current, my girlfriend, um, Kayla introduced me to this whole world and kind of, kind of just dove into it. And that's when like seeing like the possibility of like connecting, like running and like diabetes and like getting involved with like the people with type one run and like yeah. meeting you 
which kind of like brought me into us. She's the one that introduced me to Omnipod and got me off of Metronic and then like back onto Dexcom. And like since then, my A1C has dropped from like 8.7 to 6.5. Wow. So a lot's owed to so, her and her knowledge of everything. That's incredible. So she's type one. Yes. Ooh. So and what is dating? Are you guys, you guys are girlfriend, boyfriend? Yes. We, what is, what yes, is dating since, a type one? like as a type one like is that too much type one or is it no, like a perfect amount of type one <laughs> it's more because you you understand certain elements of like what's going on in your in your life like if she's like obviously we're both on dexcom so i can see her numbers throughout the night so i know if her number if she's running high she's going to be not feeling that well the next day so you kind of like you feel for her in that way. Yeah. Like, like it's just, you can relate versus, to each like, other. A non-diabetic so well. doesn't. Yeah. Cause it, like not being diabetic, you would just be like, it's just a number to you because you don't know the real feeling of it. Do y'all talk about so, diabetes a lot or is it like just, yes. okay. So I, um, I didn't know well, if it was like something well, that would end up in the conversation a lot or if it was something that like was so normal to you guys that it's just, you know, you're onto the weather and current events, you know? Well, yeah, it's, it's just like another like another thing. Like if you like say you went to work before your your wife woke up, and then like you guys talk, and then you're like, well, like how'd you like how's your day going? Like just like seeing how the other person's doing. Like I when we talk in the morning, I'm like, oh, how are your numbers? Like how do you feel? Like it just <laughs> works its way into like normal conversation. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So it's yeah, it it's definitely a, a good feeling knowing that someone knows how you feel. Had you ever and dated like, a type one before? No. So I, I had this thought the other day and you could, we can kill it now if it's stupid. What if we started like a type one dating app? Oh, it's so many people have like talked about doing that. <laughs> I, dang it. I'm so, so I'm not original. I think it would fail only because I feel like the demographics aren't deep enough. You know what I mean? Unless it was like a yeah. global thing well where you're like if you sign on to this app you're committed to maybe moving to dallas you know what I mean? like <laughs> so she she's very heavily into like the diabetic community with like the big companies that are out there and her thing and that she loves doing and her passion is doing meetups and bringing the community to real life and together so it it is plausible in a sense as far as like you would have to take kind of like a, a geogra- like over here in like Southern California, you would kind of have to do a map of it, but it's something that, I mean, with a little research, it could probably happen. Man. I just hope whoever does create that doesn't put like in like a section for a one C. Like that would be messed up. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm not going to date that type one. Cause their a one C is, yeah. you know, 4.8 yeah. or their a one C is 11. You know what I mean? Like judge them on either scale, you know? Yeah. Like I've always had like the, like the thought of like trying, like trying to figure out how to connect that, di- like being diabetic and my running together Yeah, on a plot, like on a platform mm-hmm. and then meeting her definitely like, put that into like real life. Yeah. And so who is the, who is the, the, there's a Phoenix type one run group, right? Yeah. Um, shoot. 
I I talked to him a couple times via face. Uh, well, you're not near. What, what is the closest like type one run chapter to you? Uh, I'm right in, well, all three of them: San Diego, OC, and LA. Okay, because I I want to say yeah, I have seen you float like from group to group. What is like? What do you what do you claim as to be like your group? That would be LA. Okay, so you're under Craig's authority. Yeah, Craig and James. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> we're all i think we're all meeting gonna end up meeting up this sunday at the pasadena summit yeah so they have their run right before it so i'm gonna try to squeeze that in go run with them and then go to that that eight miles to do before that okay it's well possible. so yeah kind of on what you're saying type one run is kind of that perfect platform between diabetes and running because I feel like every time I end up talking to someone with type one run, we talk about both equally. You know what I mean? Like it is, they're as integrated into each other as the name implies, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like just getting involved in like seeing them and like actually meeting people that do run like more than just kind of a, a, a hobby. Um, and like just sharing like experiences, like troubleshooting when you go run and stuff like that. And then like, definitely like James has told me like his process and like I've definitely gotten stuff out of him that I've put into my running. So it's definitely like a positive community. What do you think would be the best thing about type one run? And I know I'm putting you on the spot here to like pick out one thing, but like if it's helped you with anything, what do you think it's helped you with? Um, just like kind of the motivation side, like, being a diabetic just in, in general kind of puts you on an island and then being like a runner and like you see like run groups all over the place you don't really know where you fit in yeah. um so putting those two together you you have like a whole home where you can talk about diabetes and running versus like yeah, if you're a, a diabetic you would have to go to a diabetic like meet up and then go to a running club and where you had like separate them. Now it's, it's all in one roof, which makes it so much more convenient. Yeah. That's an incredible point. I'm glad you, glad you kind of pointed that out. So, um, well, Hey man, I appreciate you coming on so much. I'll transition into the last section of the show. Cause I already, I've already taken, you know, so much of your night, but, um, I'll call this tempo talk and you know, it's, I'll throw some fast questions at you. You can answer them as fast as you want and, or elaborate as much as you want. It doesn't matter. But, um, real sugar or artificial sweetener, artificial sweetener. Neither. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that an answer? I mean, it's um, your answer. You know, this is, this is your I, life. You know, I've never, I, I've never used real sugar on anything pre diabetes, like diabetes. Yeah, yeah. I never really use artificial stuff. After. Oh, okay. Well, let's say, let's say you're going to have a Coke, like someone's holding a Coke in your face. One's diet. One's regular. Um, which one do you go for? Well, I mean, if I'm, uh, I don't want to split hairs again. Yeah, um, I'm putting guess, you. I'm uh, putting you. I'm put, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I just see it practical as far as like if I'm low, obviously, Coke. But if if I'm not low, diet like diet Coke. Um, yeah. That's. I mean, that's a good point because I've drinking both <laughs> since I got diagnosed. Um, so I guess like in the middle yeah. of that, we like. Yeah, and, <laughs> it's like no, yeah. shoot me, shoot me now because I'm not drinking either. Give me a Lacroix. 
Uh, no, Diet Coke would probably be what my like go to would be if I'm drinking soda. Yeah, I mean, I I I have it. I don't drink it much. What's funny is on a plane, I felt like I needed to drink something the other day, so I got a Coke Zero. But I don't unless I'm at like a theater or on a plane. I don't drink Coke Zero. You know what I mean? I'll just drink Lacroix or yeah. water, or almond milk or something. But I, I it's just always funny to see people's perspective on like sugar and artificial sweetener, but. Um, favorite pre-race meal favorite pre-race meal it's something that you don't eat anymore but definitely a banana um <laughs> it's gonna it's always gonna be like a fruit and then yeah. a, a complex like like carb as far as like wheat bread a yeah. bagel or something like that like i gotta get back and usually potassium. like wheat bread with like a half a like wheat bread with peanut butter coffee and then a banana usually is what it adds up to be favorite low blood sugar foods food oh um that's another hard one i'll put you in a box i'll put you in a box here and this will help you out um you woke up in the middle of the night and you just know you're low like you don't need to check your decks first you you messed up your bolus or your liver decided you know it's not putting out any glucose today um you're low and you got to like walk to the kitchen and you're upset but you're kind of happy because you know you're getting to eat something a snack you know i mean what do you go for um usually like so i don't eat anything from i'm a plant-based diet but anything like chocolate definitely will raise my blood sugar so that's kind of what i grab nutella i always say like i'm a diabetic first um if it's available yeah that's it's i've had it before and it's yeah. good so i'm gonna send you a jar because everyone it. needs a jar of nutella <laughs> for late night low treatments i'm just saying it works perfect yeah. and it's so satisfying um, but like what i've like what i've found over the years like any like like bread tortilla like any like real food will bring me up way faster than like any sugary stuff would yeah. Okay. And and maybe like more a sustainable way to. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing you wish everyone knew about type one diabetes, diabetes. It doesn't limit you. Uh, I would elaborate to that as if like once you're at a point where you understand everything and you're like, you're okay. Like your A1C is good and stuff like that. You, you're not, held in a bubble like yes you have something that's a serious condition but you don't have to live that life that way that makes sense no it's perfect thank you where's the best place to follow kenny and his training and like where's the best place for us to track your uh, your progress over the next now 18 months as you gear up towards a 100 miler um i'm definitely putting all my stuff mainly on Instagram just because I have people on there now that know my goals and are going to hold me again, like to them. Yeah. We're holding you accountable. Yeah. So I can't back down now. Like it wasn't like I was going to, but I can't slack. I'm very good at trying to get away with doing these races without the training. Yeah. And I'm not doing that anymore. What's your Um, your Instagram handle? All one word, all lowercase spelled exactly how you would spell it. Diabetic Ask Kenny. Ask? Like A-S-K? No. Like or the ask. rear end of a human yeah. being slash <laughs> like, yeah. a donkey. A donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Diabetic Ask Diabetic Kenny. Diabetic Kenny. 
<laughs> yeah, and then Strava um, is mainly where I upload all my runs, and that's just Kenny Campbell. Yeah. Spelt just just like that. And like, what also, what region are you in? The, like, it'll say California. Yeah. It's, okay. Um, I just added the Type One Run um, Strava group. Oh, so man. I don't I don't I, really know how Strava works. I was in the Strava group, and one, there was one week where I tried to compete with like some of the people that are in there and I'm not throwing stones cause I'm not, and I live in a glass house too, but I think some people in our group, our type one run group are not type ones. And I don't think they're affiliated with type one diabetes in any way. I think they just, <laughs> I think they just got on Strava one day and added as many groups as they many could. Groups, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause there's yeah. some dudes that are running like 180 miles a week. You know what I mean? Like oh, week after week. Yeah, and I'm like, like it's like Tuesday and they've already run seventy miles and I'm like, what the hell? You know I, I, mean? like, I, I wouldn't. I can't so, imagine that. But yeah, they're like all Russian or Bulgarian or <laughs> Eastern European. But yeah, or that's, yeah, Strava is used is what I I track it on my my Garmin, but Strava is what puts it out in like okay. the interwebs. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna add you because I don't know if I follow you or not, but consider it. And done. then like oh, then yeah, and then Facebook, just my name. Yeah. Kenny Campbell. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much yep. for coming on. This has been an incredible interview. And I think everyone listening and myself, I'll hold you accountable because I'm going to start commenting on all your stuff and be like, you know, I hey, 300 and, 362 more days until, <laughs> you know, Havelina. So, yeah. Dude, definitely uh, big thanks to you and everything that you do as far as putting these things together. And then especially with the, the merger with Beyond Type 1, it's a huge platform to bring everyone together. Hey guys, so that wraps up today's show. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe. It's an incredible way to get fresh episodes delivered straight to your phone every week. If you think you or anyone you know would be a perfect interviewee for the show, make sure to reach out to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at type one run podcast or at type one run.org slash podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys again next week. Train hard, train happy, and leave no ones behind.